This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Thanks to our patrons. Always, always thanks to them. Indeed. You help make this show possible. Yes, and special thanks to our April sponsor of the month, Tammy Partlow. She's a writer and speaker at Women's Retreats, and her book, Blood Beneath the Pines, is a tale of prevailing justice set mostly in the deep south. And I'm told she's working on her second book now. Yay! Go, go, Tammy! <laughs> and you can learn more about Tammy at her website, TammyPartlow.com, and that's T-A-M-M-Y-P-A-R-T-L-O-W.com. And another exciting thing here is that we have a sponsorship from the Novel Marketing Podcast. Yay, Novel Marketing! (laughs) You can find them at novelmarketing.com. We highly recommend this podcast with host Thomas Umstead Jr. In this sponsorship, we've been bringing you Novel Marketing's 10 Commandments of Book Marketing. Yes, and I love these things, you guys. Today, it's commandment number four. Thou shalt measure thy marketing. Here's the thing. It does doesn't do you any good to spend time or marketing dollars on tactics that don't generate sales for you. And guys, the only way you're going to know that is to measure it. You've got to look at the data. We have limited resources, right? Our time, our money. So we have to be wise in how we invest. And again, you also have to be careful about copying someone else's tactics that might have worked for them, but it might not work for you. Or worse, maybe it doesn't work for them because they didn't measure their data. So again, and measure your data. Another bonus to measuring your marketing is that it frees you from blindly following any marketing fads or superstitions that may be out there. You don't have to feel guilty about not doing some new hot marketing thing that everyone else is doing if you know it's not going to work for you. Right. So for more book promotion and platform help, listen to Novel Marketing in your favorite podcast app or at novelmarketing.com. Right. And so we've been bringing you wonders. Karen and I want to just help you guys and ourselves focus on the things that God does for us every day. And I'll tell you, one wonder is friendship. I had the amazing blessing of having Karen come and visit me (laughs) the last couple of weeks. And it's been so cool. Um, God is wonderful in how he emphasizes fellowship. There's fellowship in the Trinity. There's fellowship in the body of believers. There's fellowship among friends. So guys, look around you. Look at the people that God has provided for you to have fellowship with and thank God for them. Amen. And now, here's Here's the the show. Welcome, listeners, to The Deep. We're so glad that you're here with us today. And we have a guest, Lindsay Franklin and Erin, the inimitable. 
<laughs> I can't even say that word. <laughs> and so, no, this isn't like, you know, a do-over like Groundhog Day movie. <laughs> we really do have Lindsay Franklin with us for another episode because wow. we had so much we wanted to talk about. So just as a reminder, Lindsay Franklin is the Carol Award-winning author of five books. She's a freelance editor and a homeschooling mom of three. And she's also been diagnosed with a connective tissue disorder. Um, it's Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And if you heard our last podcast, you heard part of our interview where we talked with her about that long journey to finding the diagnosis in the midst of starting her writing career. And if you didn't hear it, go back, listen. It's a good one. <laughs> so today, though, we want to continue our conversation with her and talk about the practical side of how in the world she managed all these book contracts in the midst of dealing with um, the repercussions of her disease that she deals with all of the time. So welcome. Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to be here again. <laughs> we love having you. So you had mentioned in our last show that you had to have a knee surgery. And like right as we were ending, you were like, yeah, I had to do all these books. <laughs> you know, we thought our listeners would really want to know some of the, the deal with that, the practical side. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> so that's such a good um, a good question. I think something all of us who struggle with chronic conditions um, we have to wrestle with that a lot. How how am I going to do these things that I want to do? How am I going to accomplish what I want to in life or fulfill my obligations? You know, at that point, once I had signed on the dotted line, it was like. I have to. I literally have to do this. I, I agreed to uh, legally. So how yeah. how am I going to do that? And I think there are a few tips that that will hopefully you know resonate for people in a similar position. Time management is very key for me because I never really know when I'm going to feel good and when I'm going to be completely not functional. Right. Um, because that's kind of how I swing. I know for for some people it's like their baseline is just constantly sort of lower all the time so they have to figure out how they're going to make the most of, you know, the the limited amount of energy that they have all the time. Right. I'm kind of like very up and down with my energy levels. So some days I'm just, you know, super way up here and I can get tons of stuff done. And then other days it's literally nothing. And my husband is pulling all the weight around the house, taking care of the kids and everything because I just can't do anything um, because my pain levels are too high. So for me, I do a lot of planning where I will look out at my long-term calendar. I look at my short-term calendar. I use a lot of, I'm kind of tactile. So I have mm. a paper planner still. We've yay. got like our digital, <laughs> yay. <laughs> We've got our digital family calendar that we put all our appointments in. But for my work, I like to look at it on paper so that I can see the whole month at a time. And then I can see the week. And in those days, I actually had a, uh, when I had five books under contract at once, I had a, an hourly, you mm. know, like a daily planner that had everything broken down by hour. Because then what I could do was block out my days. These are the times I simply have to pick up my kids from school, or uh, these are the times I've got a doctor's appointment or whatever, you know, those, those appointments that you kind of can't move around. I would block those out first. Then I would look at what deadlines are coming up. You know, what are the kids' school deadlines, school obligations coming up that I need to be 
involved with. And it's helpful that they're older now. When they were littler, that was a much bigger piece <laughs> of my daily pie, so to speak. You know, that, a lot that would be like, pie. okay, so I have four and a half minutes on Thursday next week where I can write. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was. When my kids were little and I was homeschooling them full time, I mean, my husband would get home, I think it was on Wednesday evenings and Friday evenings. Those are my time. Yeah. To, to write, my times to write. And I would leave the house because that was the only way that I could really disconnect mentally from what was going on at home and all of my obligations there. He would just be like, okay, I'm here. I got dinner, go. And I would eat dinner out and then, you know, just by myself and write until, you know, nine or 10, whenever my coffee shop closed. (laughs) And I wrote an entire, you know, 100,000 word uh, fantasy novel that way over the course of however many months it took me to do that. So what I do practically really does vary depending on the season of life that I'm in. So I was lucky that when I had all these books under contract, my kids were a little older, a little bit more independent. um, So I was able to focus a little more time on writing being realistic about what I can actually do, not looking at the the paper and saying, oh, well, if I work every single spare minute that I have open on my calendar, then I can, you know, turn this in earlier. I can, you know, I always <laughs> tempted to do that. Oh, I can also take on an editing project while I'm working. <laughs> no, don't do it, Lizzie. Stop, you know. Um, So, and those are lessons I've had to learn because my instinct is to do that. So I would like, yes, agree to all these different things and, um, you know, realize that I'd made a mistake and no, I can't actually do all those things. um, I love that though, Lindsay, that's so smart to put that on paper because there's no fudging. You can't, you know, you can't pretend that those blocks aren't full when they're full. And I really think that helps you have permission to say no to certain things. And to really see it, to see it on paper and to see how little some of those open blocks are, like one day I'm going to have 45 minutes to work. I mean, I simply can't look at that and say, oh, yes, I have time for, you know, X, Y, Z, because it's obvious that I don't. So. Right. Very cool. I'm I'm curious. You had said that you you deal with these ups and, and these downs. Do you find yourself ever struggling with feeling guilty when you're in that, you know, down and you can't do anything? And if so, how do you how do you get past that? Absolutely. That has been a really big struggle for me um, because I do like to say yes. I like to say yes to a lot of things. And so when I say yes to something and then I'm like struck down and, and can't follow through in the way that I wanted to, or I'm late with following through on something, I really do struggle with feeling guilty about that. So it, it does kind of give me permission to say no at the outset more when I know that I'm going to feel worse. I hate to say no. I really do, especially like when a young writer contacts me and would you maybe be willing to read my book for endorsement? I always want to say yes to that because it's so hard to ask people that question. I know that feeling. So that kind of stuff, it just kills me to have to say no up front. But I also know that it's worse for me and for them to say yes to something like that and then to 
have no time um, to actually be able to follow through with that because then they're all hopeful waiting for that endorsement that may come <laughs> yes. in. And then I have to say, I'm so sorry. I just, I did not have time in my my schedule to be able to, to work it in. So, you know, the thing to always keep in mind in those situations so that you don't end up falling into guilty feelings is that God knows the exact right people to be endorsing that person's book. And so you can say no with the full confidence that it's not like God turns around and says, what did she say? Wait, <laughs> she was supposed to do this. He, does, he doesn't do that. And if you say yes, when you know you shouldn't, then you are short-circuiting what God is trying to accomplish with someone else. It's so true. That is such a good point. And I think it's really easy. And maybe this is this is especially true for women. I don't know. Maybe guys are like this too. But I think um, it's really easy to feel like, all of this depends on us that, you know, yes, we have to, that if we're not doing it, nobody else is going to. And I don't, I just feel like my female friends are like right there in that (laughs) trap with me where it's like, we feel like we have to be all things to all people or else the world's going to fall apart. And that's just not true. It's not true. God has it. He's got, you know, he's got the the big picture uh, plan already laid out. And, you know, I keep telling myself, over and over. You're not that important, Lindsay. That's like, exactly yes, right. That's exactly but right. the world is not going to fall apart if you have to say no to something. It's really not that serious. So yeah, that's such a, that's a good word. It's way too easy for, for us in the Christian world, for the women, Christian women, to feel as though we're both the cause of and solution to all the problems around <laughs> us. You know, it's my fault. Somehow it's my fault. And so I have to do something to fix this. And if I don't, nobody else is going to. And God's like, would you mind getting out of the way, please? Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to do something here. Move over. <laughs> I've got this. Yes. <laughs> so true. Uh, relatable. I wish it weren't so relatable, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> we understand. Well, the other thing we wanted to talk about was when COVID was shutting everything down last year, that was right about when the third book of your Weaver trilogy came out. And you had said, <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting story. And we're like, well, now we have to hear that. <laughs> so tell us what happened with that. Well, it's kind of funny because, yes, um, The Story Hunter, which is book three, released in May of 2020. So a very a difficult time pandemic-wise, tumultuous time, just politically, socially. There's a lot going on in May 2020. And I think, you know, if my life has taught me anything, it, it has really forced me to be flexible. Um, <laughs> forced me to be flexible because I'm um, probably not uh, naturally the most flexible person. And this <laughs> cracks me up. I have to just throw this in here because I'm such a nerd. But um, the health conditions that I have make me laugh because um, I am physically a very flexible person because of the joint, right? Yes, because I'm hypermobile. I'm literally flexible. And yet inside, not so much. Um, I, also, um, I also have like a heart condition where I was born with the, you know, congenital defect with my heart, which is not actually related to the connective tissue disorder. I got is there any the disorder you don't no, have? Is there anything I missing have, in your family? I, and my hair is way too frizzy. So I just don't <laughs> even know what happened with my genes. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a host of medical issues as well. And, and I um, went to my parents at one point laughingly, but I said, thank you so much for the shallow end of the gene pool from which I right. sprung. <laughs> 
right? I joke about this because I have one older sister, biological older sister, and she has none of these issues. Oh, like, oh good. <laughs> she's okay. got nothing. I was like, you guys saved it all for me. I got the heart from my dad. I got the connective tissue disorder from my mom. Like, what is going on, you guys? They just um, think you're so special. <laughs> so special. <laughs> and so we joke about my heart, too, because I was born into a family of very like emotional feelers. And I'm the one person in the family who is a T, you know, if you're into Myers-Briggs, I'm the only T in my thinker. entire family. I'm the thinker. They're all feelers. And so we joke about my broken heart and my <laughs> lack of flexibility. Like, so <laughs> it's funny. God has a sense of humor. He does. I'm just convinced. Um, but yes, the book launch, um, I have learned to be flexible and especially in publishing where you can plan and plan and everybody's got these great production calendars and you've got all of these dates and everything is and then the delays start happening or the problem over here with Amazon or the problem with the printer or just whatever, you know, there, there's always something popping up in publishing and with the story hunter, I was so chill about all of those things that came up. I was just like, okay, well, if the release is delayed, it's delayed. Again, I'm not that important. No, nothing is gonna like explode or implode if my my book doesn't release exactly on time or if there's a delay in shipping. I mean, that's hard for my readers because I ended book two on a cliffhanger. Oh. And they've been waiting for this book for like a year at that point. And so that's a bummer for them. And I feel bad about that. But really, I mean, we just have to to go with the flow on these things. And the second book in the series, The Story Raider, which came out in 2019, actually had a harder, more delay-ridden, more tumultuous journey to the, the shelf uh, than Story Hunter did. So I was prepared. I was like, nothing can be worse than Raider. So <laughs> it's got to be better. And it was. It was fine, you know? <laughs> Wow. So you didn't feel like there was any really negative impact or anything like that? I think that because of the pandemic, I think people were actually reading a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they were stuck at home, especially at that time early on in the pandemic. I know that some of my friends had very difficult launches, so I don't want to kind of minimize any of that, you know, difficult launches in 2020. But right where I hit, I think that people were... Uh, looking for a bit of an escape. They were they were looking for, you know, novels to read. Um, yep. So I, I didn't notice a real big impact, um, you know, sales-wise or just anything. It just kind of rolled the way it was supposed to and, and everything was okay. We we had a much choppier experience with, uh, with Raider the year before because there was just business stuff outside of uh, my control, outside of my publisher's control. And that was a really rocky road. So just like with all my health stuff, I feel like I got prepped with something that was harder. I kind of cut my teeth on something that was harder. Right. And then when what looks on paper like it would be the big disaster, you know, in 2020, when that came along, it was like, everything's going to be okay. Because I've already been through, you know, as far as book launches are concerned, I've been through worse. And so this, it's going to be fine. <laughs> well, that's very cool. So we're kind of getting near again to the end of our time. Do you have maybe some final words of wisdom that you would want to tell maybe young writers out there or people struggling with their own chronic illness or family members as you have with chronic illness or anything, anything completely off topic? 
I think, and it's almost cliche at this point in the chronic illness community, we've all heard probably the concept of spoons at this point and having, no, um, are you no. guys familiar with the spoons? <laughs> no, oh, I like to shout out spoons. The I'm only so spoons okay. I know is a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fun too. <laughs> Um, Oh, yay. I'm so excited to share this. Okay. So the concept of spoons is that everybody has like spoons are like your energy or your capacity to do things basically. And when you have a chronic illness, you just start the day with a certain number of spoons. And one day might be like a two spoon day when you're just, you've got almost nothing and just getting up and getting into the shower to, you know, clean yourself costs you a spoon. And then you're down to just your one. And what are you going to do with that spoon for the day? So this is a really helpful way for me to explain people who don't have or to people who don't have chronic illnesses, what it's like. So I may wake up with, say, 20 spoons in in a day. And I'm going to spend a certain number of those just being a mom and being a wife and taking care of uh, my kids, taking care of my house. And so then you're left with a certain number. And what are you going to do with those? And self-care costs spoons. Working out costs me spoons, which is important for my joints. I have to work out. That's not like a luxury, you know? And so that idea of having a limited amount of uh, resources and um, energy. That is important in explaining to other people what it's like uh, and how even the small things that they don't even think about. Like my husband is such a healthy guy. He's just all the energy, you know, getting things (laughs) done. I feel like he has unlimited spoons. Um, (laughs) Of course he doesn't because nobody does, but he starts with so many. And so he doesn't even think about stuff like going and taking a shower that that would cost any kind of energy for him, really. He just does that. And for me, that does cost me some of my spoons. So I find that very helpful in, in helping people understand, but also in reframing the way I think about my day, my time, my life is just acknowledging that I have a limited number of spoons. And so what am I going to say yes to? Um, What do I want to spend those spoons on? Because it's not unlimited. So I want to spend my spoons doing things that I love, not just things that I like. And Mm. um, so that really helps me to decide what I want to say yes to. I want to say yes to being a fantasy novelist. Do I want to say yes to being a volunteer over here or, you know, doing this other kind of book or, um, you know, any of the other opportunities that come up to me? I really have to weigh that. Do I want to spend however many spoons it's going to cost me for whatever period of time on that project. So it's helpful to uh, explain to other people, but it's been really important to me in reframing how I think about my life. Wow, Lindsay, it's I been love so that. good to have you on again <laughs> and to talk through all these things. And it's encouraging because it it helps remind us that we can only do what we can do. Right. And we shouldn't be trying to get in there doing other people's jobs. We shouldn't be trying to get in there and do God's job. Um, these things that are in our lives that come to us, health, family, all of it, it comes for a reason. And God uses them for these amazing tools to teach us and refine us. So um, I went from being a high energy level type A personality, got to do it, got to be the best, to being, oh, well, God's got this. And, <laughs> and I'm very comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with saying I can do what I can do and the rest is up to God. It's not on me. And I think more of us need to come to that place, as you have with what you've learned. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing with our listeners today. We really appreciate it. We do. 
Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me back on. You bet. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same.